brothers and sisters of the leaf, Cigar Diva here, and today I'd like to talk about something a little bit controversial. Uh, in fact, I'm, I know it's going to spawn, spawn some argument, and I want you to argue with me. I want you to give me your two cents, and I want you to insert your opinion. Uh, but before I reveal today's topic, there is someone that I have to introduce he is my partner in crime. He is, ah, here we go. He is a great photographer, videographer. He is my chief technology officer. He wears so many hats. Are, are you going to stop me anytime soon? Mm-mm, keep going. You son of a, you know, he usually cuts me off, but this time he's just eating it up. Okay, Coconut Stick Man is yeah, with yay. me. Hold on. Wait, 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 wait. Oh, jeez. My applause. Are we done? Yeah, yeah. I'm just happy to have a cigar. You need applause. Okay. <laughs> so, my brothers and sisters of the leaf, what makes a cigar maker? And I, I, I paused for a minute because a lot of you probably just said, what? She said, what? And it's true. You know, one of the things that I've learned over the last few years Every day for me is is an opportunity to learn more about cigars. It's something I love very, very much. And I've learned that you have such a wide range of cigar makers. You've got your cigar families that uh, have a legacy of cigars that gets passed down from generation to generation. And you also have what I call cigarpreneurs where you have either an individual or a small group of individuals who get together and decide to uh, start their own cigar line. Mm -hmm. And so I, my question is, I've tasted cigars from both sides of the spectrum. I've had both positive and negative experiences from both, you know, the big cigar houses, as you would, we would normally say in fashion, fashion houses, well, cigar houses. And I've also had some great experiences with cigarpreneurs or, you know, booming or, or small boutique brands of cigars. So what makes I, I should rephrase what makes a good cigar maker. You know, it's funny. Like, I'm I'm going to address this. You know, I'm going to sit down. By the way, what are you smoking on? I'm trying to look through the booth. Ah, uh, today, uh, well, I'm smoking an Ashton Panatella, which is usually way outside my wheelhouse. I usually go for something much stronger and fuller uh, if I'm just enjoying a cigar. But because we're... Uh, it's a heavy work day. This is one of my thinking cigars. It's not too big. It's uh, low commitment, high flavor. Um, it's my thinking cigar. Mm. I like it. I'm smoking a 26 Padron or a 6, how people call it, that I stole from your box. <laughs> I was just thinking to myself, I should have smoked that instead. Well, and, I'm smoking it. Now. And you took it. Oh, that's great. So to touch on your question, Diva, um, what makes a cigar maker? Now, some people think, are you talking about a roller? Are you talking about someone that owns a cigar company? You know, are you talking about someone that blends cigars? 
you know, like a, you know, like Jaime Garcia, or we're talking about like a Pete Johnson, like where, where are you going with this kind of, you know, kind of guide everyone that's listening. Like, are you talking about. That's, that's a really good question, but that also complicates things too, because when you, especially when you talk about the larger cigar houses or families, there are times where uh, you may have one person who's literally just the face of the company. Even if the company's named after them, they're really just the face. It's actually the blender that makes all the magic. Or mm-hmm. maybe that particular brand is known for perfect quality construction. You know, Padron is one of them. One of the things, you know, Padron lovers love. It's that perfect, consistent, yes, construction. I'm talking about, uh, I guess I'm talking about whoever starts off by saying, hey, let's make a cigar. Mm -hmm. Whether it's the CEO, whether it's the founder, you know, the person who says, hey, let's make fill in the blank. You know, it's it's funny that you say that. So now now I have a better understanding of where we're going with this podcast. So uh, I'll name like I won't name. I, I'll take that back. But I'll say that it is more of, hey, I'm taking a trip to Nicaragua or the Dominican or Costa Rica or wherever you're going to go get your tobacco. And then you're saying to yourself, OK, now I got my tobacco. I have rollers. I have the blends that I like. So you're speaking about those people. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I don't want to exclude anybody who might be integral to the process, but I mean, uh, I guess. All right. I guess what I'm saying is this. I, I've had I've had big name cigars, you know, household names, at least in cigar households. Uh, I don't know what other kind of household there could be, but uh, in a cigar household, you know, brands that anyone would know where I smoke it and I'm, I'm surprised. Um, and I've had some blends where it's a person's only blend. They've only made one cigar so far, but they knocked it out of the park. So regardless of their job title, whether that person is a blender, like just recently, I met a person who was actually more of a sales rep than anything else, but he had blended his own cigar mm-hmm. and it happened to be great. So, you know, it's funny that you mentioned that about like blenders and everything. And I remember growing up as a kid that when you heard, heard the name Padron or Fuente or, you know, Perdomo or whatever the case may be, you think it's just one person behind the, you know, the veil and that that person's doing everything. And then when you start learning about the industry, you start realizing there's rollers and there's plants and there's farms and, you know, from marketing to this to that. It sounds like to me and we've met people like the gentleman that you speak of that we met at an event recently. It this kind of reminds me of a young lady that we met at Belvedere. And that was Desiree, if I remember her name correctly. Yes. From Drunken Drunks. Drunk. Drunk chicken cigars. Yeah, drunk chicken. Yeah, that's what it was. I was going to say fried chicken cigars, but then I was like, no, 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 it's drunk chicken cigars. And I remember that she gave us her story. And I want you to share that story with everyone. 
I love that. Can I just share something personal? I'm accustomed to doing my business podcasts. And I love that I'm finally doing a podcast where it's okay for me to inhale and exhale, you know, because I'm smoking a cigar. Who said that was okay with that? I did. Okay. Okay. I'm not going to argue. In my business podcast, I have to kind of hide the fact that I'm smoking in the background. But, you know, what's a podcast without some smoke? Uh, So... Uh, which story did you want me to, uh, Desiree's story? Yeah. So I don't want to give away the whole story because Desiree and I have actually been planning on doing something together, whether it's a, an Instagram live, a Facebook live, a podcast, something, uh, for so long. And I, God bless that woman for her patience with me, but Uh, I want her to tell her own story. I will say this. It was when I thought of Desiree that I felt like I had identified the common thread among cigar makers and what makes them great. And it's the love. It's the passion. It's a personal experience that you cannot buy. Uh, I will tell you that Desiree grew up spending a lot of her time in Jamaica. I don't recall specifically if it was her father or her grandfather. I think it was her grandfather. I could Yeah, be I want to say it was her grandfather too, but, but was, I'm not sure. Yeah, I think it was her grandfather. And he was an avid cigar smoker and was into, you know, cigar life. And so she grew up with that. She was, you know, I guess not a daddy's girl, but a granddaddy's girl, so to speak. And so she learned about cigars growing up, uh, spending that time in Jamaica. So it's funny because on the surface, she is a woman from uh, roughly the D.C. area, I believe, if I'm not mistaken. The D.C. metro area, I think. Right. And uh, has a farm. So... On the surface, she's the last person you would expect stereotypically to be a cigar maker. But if you've tried any of the drunk chicken line, uh, talk about a pleasant surprise. You know, it's funny, Diva. When they had the event, there was food next to her table at the bar. So when she was like, hey, come try one of my junk, drunken chickens, I was like, how dare you? How dare you get a chicken drunk and then cook it? Like, like, what's wrong with you, madam? I was like, I, I'm an animal advocate. That's cruelty. And I'm an islander. And I'm like, we get the, we don't get chickens drunk. That's just, that's just wrong. Like, what's wrong with you? But she, what she did that convinced me was that she, when she was at the event, and I remember saying to her, like, look, I, I am someone that now smokes stronger cigars. I. My mild days are over. There's some that I still smoke. It depends on what time of the day and so forth. I said to her, tell me something that will convince someone that's already saying no to say yes. And she did. What'd she say? She's like, this is why you should smoke my cigars. And she gave me one. She goes, I want you to try this. She goes, you look like a Mike Ditka type. And I was like, what is that supposed to mean? I'm like, like... (laughs) Am I like an ugly Chicago Bears fan? Like, I mean, like I'm Raider Nation here, but she goes here, try it as six by 60. Okay, you just wiped out half our listenership. No, I'm just kidding. Yeah, funny. But (laughs) so (laughs) she she told me to try this out. And I said, okay, let me try this out. And I did. 
and I was pleasantly surprised. Um, when it comes to boutique cigars, Diva, you could agree with me on this. They're very hit or miss. And it, it's not because of our respective palettes or anyone's respective palettes. Some people come out out of the park, knocking it out of the park. And some people just don't even show up for, for practice. And with Desiree cigars, for me at least, when I tried some of them, I was pleasantly surprised. And it was not only that, like how you mentioned what makes a cigar maker. Mm-hmm. It was the fact that she's the CEO and the fact that she knew her blends. She knew where the first third, second third, and the final third of the cigar's taste will be, which I did not. I asked her not to tell me because I wanted to experience it myself. And my tastes, even though your taste buds are far better than mine, but I was able to taste the three transitions from the first third, second third to the final third. And then share my experience with her. And I was very impressed. Yes. And as we talk about that, you know, Desiree, and for those that are listening, definitely check her out. I mean, she she has phenomenal cigars. It's drunk chicken cigars. Mm-hmm. You, how can you forget that drunk chicken cigars? I remember she once posted a picture of a chicken that literally looked like it was just Drunk. Passed right. I mean, face down, just passed out in the mud. It was hilarious. That's you on a Saturday night at a cigar lounge. Funny. But, you know, another person that comes to mind, and this was at Cigar Sessions that we were in uh, Middletown, Delaware. It was on Saturday night for their anniversary. And I cannot remember the gentleman's name. Um, HVC. Rainier Lorenzo. Yes. He, you want to talk about a cool cat. That guy was awesome. And, and. And, you know, very full of energy, very vibrant, you know, oh, the HVC yes. line, the uh, Black Friday, uh, the hotcakes. It, it, it was one of those rare boutique cigars, again, that I personally felt diva that was phenomenal. And- Stickman, I have to be honest with you, after, after doing a review, and of course, anytime I do a review, I do a lot of research in the company. Uh, the company's leadership, where the tobacco comes from, what's the backstory. And uh, I guess most importantly, one of the things I actually do, believe it or not, is read other people's reviews uh, to see not what I agree with, but what I disagree with. Mm -hmm. And so I did a review for the HVC 10th anniversary, and I was blown away by the cigar. And then when we were about to cover the event. Naturally, I did some research on Rainier Lorenzo himself and stalker. (laughs) Hey, he is cute. Um, That man is just amazing. I mean, the amount of love, the amount of his own heart and soul that he puts into every cigar. I mean, each cigar is named after something in his life, whether it's the uh, the neighborhood in which he grew up, whether it was something famous about uh, a certain street in Havana. Uh, there's a personal aspect to each and every cigar without exception. And, I, you know, I have to bring up the fact that when we think boutique, we often think, oh, you know, the little boutique section in the shop. Uh, and the fact is, most cigar smokers, in my opinion, don't know that there's a whole other world 
of boutique cigars in the cigar industry. Uh-huh. Uh, it's like the underground of the cigar world. It's the cigar equivalent of that nightclub that has no name and has no address and you can only get there if you already know it's there and you stopped at a convenience store and you exchanged an egg for an address and you oh, know, you're dating yourself now okay yes <laughs> but anyway uh you know smoke lounge in maniunk pennsylvania you know right outside philly on the edge of philadelphia perfect example some of the brands they carry like for example castagli uh castagli makes such great cigars but i think most cigar smokers would never know that uh a lancero of daughters of the wind is one of the best cigars you could get your hands on but it's you know not commonly heard of but i digress uh it's it's the love of the leaf and there's no way to hide it. I think that either you have it or you don't. And um I had I had a a not so great experience where I wanted to review a cigar and I reached out. I couldn't find anything about the cigar. Remember, I, I do my research, I do my homework, uh-huh. and I could find nothing, literally nothing. The interwebs gave me nothing. Uh, And so I actually had no choice but to reach out to the people who are this brand, which I will not name. And they could not give me a single word about the cigar. I I remember that. And, And I was disappointed because I was, you were looking at me from one of the offices and you said to me, Hey, Stickman, come in here real quick. And you gave me the name. I did everything I could possibly can other than, you know, outside of, you know, searching their social media to their website. And I was very disappointed because I had a, I actually had high hopes for this. And, you know, just seeing their line and everything, I was like, okay, you know, I like the story I read. I like what, where, where this is going. But when it came down to the profile of the cigar, And the size and everything, it was kind of like left in the air. And it was very questionable about, okay, what's this palate? Like, I I remember, Devo, you and I spoke about this. You're a vegetarian. So it's kind of like when you smoke a cigar, you want to smoke a cigar that's in your palate. Now, not every cigar is going to be in your palate. Not every cigar is going to be out of your palate. Everyone has their favorite go-to smokes. But with this, these cigars from this company, it was a crapshoot because it's kind of like taking the Diva to a restaurant, blindfolded, closing her nose, having headphones on, and having her sit down and eat a meal, and then describe back to the chef what they ate. And like I said, she's a vegetarian. So what if that meal is something you don't eat or you refuse to eat? And now you're investing 10 to $12 a cigar into something you don't even know what the profile is, let alone what the taste is going to be. And then the company expects you to tell them, what the taste is. And I think that's some, some BS to be honest with you. It's funny because as the cigar diva and as the owner of a marketing company, the one thing I have to say is people mystery is not an effective marketing strategy. Mm -mm. You have to, in today's world, you have to tell people what you're selling and why they can't live without it. 
and taking the approach of asking me my input doesn't sell me. That doesn't sell me. I'll tell you what sells me. Here's another, if I, you know, may offer another example. I recently did a review on the uh, new Aroma de Cuba Passion. Mm-hmm. And you know I love that cigar. I'm pretty sure you've had it, haven't you? I've I've kind of hit some from you. Uh, you <laughs> you took my stash again. Yes. Oh my gosh. But I'm so, going. I'm, I'm going to the shop tomorrow to replenish that stash. And I need a life pod. I need that biometrically locked humidor. So no, you, you don't. Can't take my good stuff. No, you nope. Nope. Uh, but the Aroma de Cuba Passion, okay, it, now this was a collaboration between two Goliaths, uh, Ashton and my father, specifically Don Pepin and Jaime teamed up with Ashton to make the Aroma de Cuba Passion. And this cigar, you want to talk about love of the leaf. It was trademarked in 2016 but held back for another five years in order to tweak it to perfection. Uh They kept saying, nope, not yet. Nope, not yet. And wanted, they wanted it to be perfect. And the wrapper is actually very exclusive. It is grown on a private family farm. Garcia Family Farm, about 45 minutes east of Esteli in Nicaragua. And it is such an amazing cigar that after I wrote the written review, before the video review, just after having done the written review, a few people who do read my, not that only a few people read my reviews, but I mean, a few people who had read my review actually came back to me and said, that is the closest thing I have tasted to a real Cuban in a long time. Mm. So tell me, both of these cigars are roughly the same price point. One where I know that a ton of heart and soul went into the cigar and it comes from a reputable brand. Another is a boutique brand trying to climb its way into the cigar world, into recognition and getting their brand out there. Uh, But they're not communicating anything. I can't get any backstory. I have no idea what I'm smoking, essentially. So the question you're asking the viewers to think about is, do I smoke something mystery out of a mystery bag that's sitting on someone's counter? Or do I go with a reputable brand that gives me all the nooks and crannies that I want to know about the cigar down to the taste and flavor profile. Now, to answer this question, obviously, I'm going to go with the, you know, the passion. Yes. And it's not even I have to point out, it's not even the fact that it's a reputable brand. Even if I had never heard of Aroma de Cuba, it's the fact that there's, I, you know, someone can tell me something about that stick. They can tell me what to expect. Uh, and if they're the, the same price point, why am I going to just roll the dice on a complete crapshoot 
when the other one, even if there was no brand association whatsoever, but I knew that, you know, what the profile was purported to be, of course, everyone's palate is different. So, uh-huh. uh, you know, for one person, cinnamon may taste more like paprika or vice versa, but there's a general idea. Uh, why would I spend my money on a complete mystery when I have no idea if I'm going to even like that cigar or not? I don't know how it was made. I don't know anything. Exactly. And and that's where, you know, where, Dave, I'm going to ask you to put your marketing cap on, because as a marketer, from my understanding is, especially in this day and age, and especially with cigar smokers, they don't want to sit and guess. You know, we most of us cigar smokers want to have our sticks in hand, cutting our these cutting and lighting our cigars, either enjoying conversation with others, watching something on the TV, listening to music, doing whatever we are doing to relax. The last thing any cigar smoker wants to do is sit there with a notebook, unless you're doing a review, and write down like, oh, this is my experience with the first third or second third. No, no, that's that's your job as someone, as a cigar maker to tell me, this is the cigar I blended. This is the taste notes that you will taste from transition to transition. Don't give me this BS about, oh, tell me what you think. No, I'm not your tester. Don't tell me to tell you what I think. <laughs> it was kind of, it was, it was very poorly veiled as, uh, I guess, a sign of liberty and freedom to be able to not be imposed upon of having someone else's definition of how the cigar tasted or how it was supposed to taste. It was sort of, phrased as no we're we're liberating you by not pushing on you what we think the cigar should taste like we want you to tell us what the cigar tastes like well guess what i'm not going to because i'm going to reach for something that i know something that i love uh something that i know for the next two hours hour and a half whatever the case may be i'm gonna love it and that's the whole truth of it. It's like, you know, Diva, it's like, I, I, I can't get why somebody would do that in this day and age. You know, this is, it's the, if they're trying to be cute, it's not. And it, if anything, I remember when I was doing the research, I was like, why? Why why are you guys just playing coy? Just tell us what it is. And if you don't know, then be honest. You know, I would respect you and say, I don't know what I blended. But try it out. Tell me what you think. If they came that in that direction, Yes. But when you say like, oh, blah, 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 and blah, 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 and all that bollocks. No, no, no. I, I, don't, I don't have time to sit in a humidor looking at a company that doesn't even know what the hell they rolled. And, and that gets back to your question, you know, from a marketing aspect. Yes, it is most definitely. Uh, it is the burden of the business person or the company in any industry, not just cigars to tell you what exactly is it that they're selling and why is it better than anyone else's? Why is it unique? Why is it special? Which is one of the reasons that I don't do traditional reviews. I don't do the usual, uh, first, second, and third, third, 
Uh, some of my written reviews are like that because they do have to conform to the magazine's standards. But other than that, uh, I do look for a competitive advantage or or something that makes it special. And the fact is, if I'm in a shop and there are two cigars, one I know nothing about, uh, and there's poor marketing, and the other has fabulous marketing. They've put it all out there. Mm-hmm. How long we've held it back, why we held it back. I don't care if it's a big brand, big name brand or not, uh, but they've been transparent about what's special about the cigar. The fact that every leaf from wrapper to binder to filler was fermented three times. That tells, and they're both the same price point. Which one do you think I'm going to pick up? Exactly. Seriously. And, you know, like I want to get away from this topic here, but going to get back to what makes a cigar maker. But, um, you know, I hope that the brand does well. This brand that we're, we're talking about, I hope it does well. I really do. I hope it's a learning experience. Yes. I hope that they learn, you know, a lot from this. I hope that, you know, they do well. I hope them nothing but success. But, Getting back to your question, Diva, what makes a cigar maker? It's a lot of things. The cigar maker has to create a unique blend that will please the market, not just their general consumers, but new consumers that are coming up. And what also I feel makes it is kind of being an underground gem. You, you know, now we have, you know, again, we have our Fuentes, we drew estates, the Padrones, Padomos, so forth, my father. We have these name brands that everyone's already tried and true. But what the fun part about being a cigar smoker, for me at least, I don't know about mm. you, Diva, is finding a boutique brand that no one's heard of and just like pick up a stick or two. And I remember my rule of threes that you and I talked about. You can't really judge a cigar mm-hmm. unless you smoke it three times. You this know, is true. And, you know, some people may disagree. People have their own method of saying I like or dislike a cigar. But the tried and true formula, based on majority of cigar smokers that were interviewed, is that they have to smoke that same stick three times in three different settings to see if it's something in their wheelhouse. Mm-hmm. And we know cigars are not cheap, you know, well, it depends on where you go. But we also, you know, the thing is, is that people don't have time to waste their time on bad cigars. Life is too short to waste on bad cigars. Especially after a pandemic where their cigar budget may have to stretch a lot further. Yes. You know, all of a sudden, you know, where there are some people, which I know that are smoking Padrones every day, are now switching to other brands. Not because they it's not a dislike of Padron. It's more of their bank account saying, hey, you want to go to Hawaii, but... You may have to go to Walmart. Ah. So, but, you know, getting back to it, like I feel like you and I spoke about, you know, being a boutique brand always has the upper hand because capturing a small market, doing well in that small market, and then growing from there from word of mouth is the way a cigar mark, you know, maker grows. But what makes a cigar maker, I personally feel is the how well they brand, not only that, how well they communicate in person with fellow cigar smokers. I think it's more than that. Please elaborate. I I think it's, I think it's the love of the leaf. You know, I mean, let me put it to you this way. For me, the difference between a cigar smoker and a cigar aficionado 
a cigar smoker is someone who maybe they have their favorite, they've got their go-to cigar, and they come into the lounge, <clears throat> pardon me, to watch the game, and uh, they really don't, they don't pick apart the flavor notes of a cigar. They know if they like a cigar, they know if they don't like a cigar, and that's it. That's all they really want to know. Um, and then you have a cigar aficionado who, and I'm using the term loosely, but uh, that's somebody who is a lot more interested in why do I like this cigar? What type of tobacco is used in the cigar that's lighting my fire? No pun intended. Mm -hmm. uh, what is it about, you know, what's special about the cigar? Like, for example, the, uh, the CAO Pallone, you know, it was almost entirely ignored in the United States, but it was Cigar of the Year in France. Uh, and so I think that there is the same difference when it comes to cigar makers. You have some who just think it's enough to throw together a binder or a wrapper and a filler and put it out there, slap a ring on it, and hey, somebody's going to smoke it, right? Mm -hmm. And then you have the people who really put their heart and soul into it and they come out with an absolute masterpiece that's so good that the only concern is how do we keep this consistent for years to come? And that's where, let me answer this question, Diva. That's where a brick and mortar come in. And based on where we went in our travels, you know, we've been up and down from New York down to DC to Baltimore to, you know, everywhere. And it's all up to how the brick and mortar sells that cigar to the customer. Now, I've been to shops, we've been to shops, and, you know, the rep will come and say, hey, you know, I'm like, what are you smoking on? What, what's, what's in your wheelhouse right now? That's the first thing I ask. And a lot of times the rep will say, I mean, the person at the boutique, what am I saying boutique? Excuse me. At the, the cigar, shop. The shop will say, hey, I'm smoking a boutique brand today. I'm like, all right, well, what is it? And they tell me what it is. And then they give me their honest, honest thoughts. Some people say they like it. They hate it. They're like, here, at least pick up one, smoke it. Tell me what you think. Right then and there, I'm like, okay, you got me curious, my curiosity going. So I have my palate cleaned out. I'm ready to smoke that cigar, enjoy the aromas, do a retro hail here and there, see if I am in, into it. Now, sometimes we go to events. And a lot of times you and I look at each other like, is this event? Who's this person? Why, why are we bothering to get up from our desks and literally like take an hour drive somewhere or 45 minutes to check out someone that honestly we don't even know mm -hmm. and so far you know knock on wood i'm gonna knock on wood here i'm pleasantly surprised with 90 percent of the events that we went to for boutique cigars that the reps were educated enough to give us an education on whether it's a medium to full what's the flavor palette obviously you diva you're not into heavy peppery cigars so you know the rep will tell you hey you know this is a very heavy pepper cigar Mm -hmm. So you are automatically, you personally, of your choice, you avoid it. But we end up buying at least five or 10 cigars, probably a box, depending on what the deal is. And a lot of times the boutique cigars were actually really mm -hmm. good. Or five. Or five. Boxes. 
Yeah. Uh, it, it really depends on the cigar, but I think a lot of it has to do, uh, you know, first of all, if I could touch on that and I don't want to touch on it too much because I really want to do a podcast on that, uh, when it comes to lounge life, you know, when it comes to the front of the house or the, the sales part of any brick and mortar shop, uh, Again, just like cigars, you have your entire spectrum of people working there. Mm-hmm. There are some times where an employee at a cigar shop knows absolutely nothing about a cigar. And mm-hmm. very true. Best case scenario, they'll be honest about that. And they'll say, I know I like it. I don't know why I like it. I just know that I like it. And sometimes that's enough for me to say, okay, I'll give it a try. Uh, sometimes it's not, but I, like I said, I don't want to go too much into that because I really want that to be our next podcast, uh, you know, delving into lounge life. But I think that when it comes to a good cigar maker, it's really about the love of the leaf. And one of the, you know, you mentioned what I call digging. Mm -hmm. Uh, which is in the music industry, a digger, uh, especially people who spin records, DJs and whatnot. A digger is someone who goes to an old, nasty, dusty, dirty record shop and sits in the basement for hours just digging and digging for uh, records that you know, no one's listened to in 30 years, but it's just a complete gem. And that's how I describe myself in terms of looking for undiscovered gems and, uh, you know, really, really great cigars that wouldn't always be on that front rack or on the, you know, in the opening of the humidor on display. Mm-hmm. And a perfect example of that I mentioned before is Smoke in Maniunk. They specialize only in boutique cigars, strictly boutique. They may have one or two well-known brands, but aside from that, it's all boutique. Now, before you automatically jump to the conclusion that it's, I don't know, name a boutique brand uh, like Room 101. Um, it's hard to say. There's so many out there's there. There's so many out there. But they have cigars, boutique cigars that you've never heard of. And they're not cheap because they are, it's like the the bootleg, you know, of cigars. It's the underground, the undiscovered gems. They are just absolutely amazing and you wouldn't find them uh anywhere else so they're not doing heavy marketing uh it's all about the love of the leaf and you know i mentioned castagli one of my new favorite brands i never would have heard about them if it weren't for going into a place that specializes in sort of the cigar underground Yeah. And, you know, getting back to the point of what makes a cigar maker is what makes a cigar maker is their branding and not only their branding, but their presentation. You don't have to have a pretty band on a cigar to sell it. But at the same time, you got to have that palette that people are going to dig. And, you know, just like foodies. And it's funny when I say the word foodie, I, I know a lot of people that are foodies. 
that will go on Yelp or go on to the web and look for some obscure restaurant that serves something that they never heard of just to go have that experience. Mm -hmm. And that's where, you know, what makes a cigar maker a cigar maker, making those gems that make people say from one stick to three sticks, from three cigars to a box. And then, you know, then, you know, handing out a cigar to a friend and saying, look, I found this at this cigar lounge. You really got to try this. This is a real great, really good cigar. It's a real nice burn to it and everything. You know, it's an underground. Well, it's not underground, but it's not as well known. But, you know, that's how a cigar maker grows. So, Diva, what do you think? I think when you say branding, it's easy to confuse that with marketing. So instead of branding, I would rather say... um, I I would rather say, I guess, transparency. Mm -hmm. Uh, You have to, and knowledge. One of the things that blew my mind over the last few years uh, is learning how many brands are out there who don't know anything about blending. Uh, For example, we've had the distinct honor of, of meeting some of who I feel are are the best blenders out there. And you know how much uh, love, how much time, how much effort they, you know, into the FOMO tasting, tasting the individual leaves and coming up with different blends. And then you have cigar makers who go online and say, I want to buy this many pounds of this particular type of tobacco and I want to buy this and that, and I'm going to outsource it to uh, this factory to roll them. And then I'm going to try and sell them. I'm going to go around and convince a bunch of brick and mortars to sell them. But they still, after all that effort, after the money invested, the time invested, they still don't know much about their own cigars or the cigar world in general. And I think that that is where a cigar maker can fail, to be honest. Very true. So, Or, or at least learn, mm-hmm. hopefully learn and, and say, okay, this is why this cigar was not a success. Maybe I need to up my game. Maybe I should learn a little bit more about the cigar world and go back and re-blend and perfect what I put out there and know more about what I put out there. Mm-hmm. And, you know, when we're talking about cigar makers, like for those smaller boutique brands, you know, when the CEO or, you know, not just a sales rep, when they come out, be a people person, uh, you know, understand you're not just selling your brand at a boutique, you know, at a cigar lounge that sells boutique, you know, cigars, you're selling yourself, you're, 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 branding yourself out you're showing that hey you know this is why you should be dropping eight to twelve dollars on my cigar because of this and as you know in our ventures diva we've you know encountered some cigar ceos that are super nice i mean i i became a fan of their brand just because of their personality when i spoke with them and then there's some that just made me just no matter how good their cigar is made me just completely turned off like I don't care how good the cigar is. I don't care if I'm stuck on an island with the cigar for the rest of my life. I'm not going to smoke the cigar. That is so true. That is so true. And I have to say that it was it was such 
a pleasure. I mean, when it comes to a brand like HVC, for example, mm-hmm. and we had the distinct honor of hanging out with Rainier Lorenzo and doing an interview with him, and he was just amazing. He's sort of the best of both worlds because not only can he blend like a master, but when he's in the situation with uh, a cigar lounge and its members, he is just the life of the party. So I think that a lot of cigar makers should take a page out of his book Mm -hmm. and understand that you could have the best cigar in the humidor. But if you are not a people person, I'm going to try and keep this polite. Stay out of the shop. Get someone who is a people person. Have them represent you. Have them go to the event because you can destroy your entire brand's, uh, I guess, brand equity. You know, the your perception of the perception of your brand by going into an event and just being, dare I say it, being a jerk, Yeah, you know? And then after that, uh, I don't care how rare your cigar is. I don't care how great it is. There are a lot of cigars on the market and, you know, you're not going to be missed. You know, I'll, I'll give you an example. Like, when my family was here from the islands and, you know, some of my family members took up cigar smoking. This, this is back in the 70s and 80s. There weren't as many boutiques out there, boutique brands. And they would smoke their favorite ones, my uncles and my aunts. My aunt smoked also. And what I think in order for a cigar maker to be successful, and this is just me saying this, is understanding that the market has changed from the 70s and 80s to now. Oh, yeah. And absolutely. In in every industry, not just cigars, but go on. But in the cigar industries, especially, it's like, you know, guys are like, oh, I got a quad torch, torch, jet, light, flame, you know, lighter. I'm like, whoopee, I got a lighter, lighter. You know, we're doing the same thing. But now these days, people are investing not only into their cigars, but into humidors, into Bovida packs or Bovida packs, depending on how you say it, tomato, tomato, but even to lighters, accessories. So those accessory brands have understood that we need to change to fit the person that is not just the average person that's smoking anymore. I mean, how many times have we been to different cigar lounges and we see a lot more women there? And they're not just smoking like, you know, cute little women cigars. They're actually smoking like how what we're smoking, Padrones, Fuentes. And, you know, they're carrying conversations. They're bringing their own bottles of bourbon in there. And I'm like, damn, I'm like, this person got their game on lock. But what cigar? in order to be a cigar maker, you must understand your market. You must understand how quickly it's transitioning, how it's changing, just like how the industry changes. You have to change with it. Well, you know what I think happened? And this is, again, with a lot of industries, but some industries, this really should not have happened. Uh, You know, the digital age, it used to be that you could not go on the Internet and just buy a bunch of tobacco and say, well, I want some of this. I want some of that and blend it. 
you know, 10 years ago, that was unheard of. Now but, these days you got, you know, people doing that. Right. With the internet, anybody can jump online, say, I want this, I want that. And I'm going to look up uh, someone who can roll for me. And boom, I'm a cigar maker. Mm -hmm. And I guess that's really the point of it is that, no, that does not make you a cigar maker. That makes you a person who bought tobacco and rolled it. It doesn't mean that you are a cigar maker. You know, for if I could just give an example, Rafael Nodal. Mm-hmm. He is a cigar maker. I mean, when you see a new cigar uh, from Rafael and you see his name on it, or I mean, we're friends on Facebook. When I see on there that he's bringing out a cigar that he's worked on, I know right off the bat that is going to be a great cigar. Very much so. So, and you know, Rafael, you know, Mr. Nodal is a great guy. You know, we know his son that, you know, works in the industry. They're both great people. And I have to say, like how you gave that example, it's it makes me excited to say, hey, I can't wait for my local cigar lounge to get a box of that because mm-hmm. I'm, I want a box of that. And, in this, and, you know, for those that are listening that are cigar makers or wanting to be cigar makers, the three key points, know your product, know how to sell your product, know how to market your product to all individuals that you know are going to be curious about your product. Yes. And, you know, something that I was going to mention in uh, a business podcast, I think that really applies to the cigar world as well, is that especially the, the it was always important to get cigar smokers to try your cigar mm-hmm. because most cigars have or most cigar smokers, pardon me, they have their wheelhouse, they have their palate, they have their go-to cigars, what they know that they love. And the marketing goal for so many is to say, hey, try my cigar. Go go ahead out of your, your wheelhouse, try one of mine because uh, it's it's an amazing cigar, give it a try. And that's the whole point of marketing. Mm-hmm. Whereas, uh, you know, I, I think that even more so after the pandemic, I've seen this in every industry, everything has changed. So like we were mention, mentioning earlier, a lot of people's budgets are different. It's not just the cigar budget. It's also the cigar palette. People in all aspects of buying, they're trying new things. They're going out of their wheelhouse, both in cigars and in life, and they're trying new things. And so more than ever, you have to be able to show that you are educated, that you're you're knowledgeable about your cigar and why it's Very so true. valuable, why it's, why, why is your price point so much better than someone else's because the the it's a very saturated market i don't hope it's going to be any less of a saturated bar, uh, market i think more the better you know the more cigars i get to taste hey that's great 
but yes, you definitely, especially after the pandemic, I think everyone has to rebuild. And and I agree with you, Diva, on that. It's like if you're a cigar maker or you're someone that goes even a sales rep, keep in mind that you're that face of that company or you are that company. You're you may have the nicest, prettiest packaging, you may have the greatest slogans, you may have everything that is needed to be a successful cigar maker. But if your attitude sucks and your knowledge is not there, don't expect the sales to be there. That's just real talk. And that's just coming from the heart. I like I like, you know, Diva, like how you and I were at Holtz. We met Pete Johnson. I wasn't a big tattoo guy and you weren't either. And, you know, Pete, you know, welcomed us, took a photo with us, was very kind. Uh, Mo, which is one of their sales reps that we met at another cigar lounge, <clears throat> excuse me, you know, very entertaining, very down to earth, very knowledgeable. I want to be educated on a cigar before I commit to a purchase. You know, how many mm-hmm. times have you go to a shop and buy something blindly unless someone educates you on it? And I'd rather be educated positively on a cigar. Or even there's times where a rep will say, I mean, a rep, a person at the shop will say, oh, I didn't like that cigar because it's not in my wheelhouse. Or whatever the case may be. And that still may entice me to just try a cigar. If I hate it, then I hate it. Then I know I'm, I'm not a fan of that brand. But when a rep or an owner doesn't take that passion, if you could take that much money to invest into a cigar company, then damn well best believe you better have that much passion to sell your cigar. Yes. And, and if you're willing to go to that much trouble and that much expense then you can spend a few hours to learn about why are you doing what you're doing? Exactly. Why? Yeah. You know, so here I I just want to make a toast, a, a shout out to the people who are great cigar makers, whether you are a boutique, whether you are one of the Goliaths of the industry, whether you are a cigarpreneur uh, like Drunk Chicken or so many other brands. HVC. HVC. Oh, yes. Uh, One of my newest loves. Uh, I can't wait to try more. Uh, There are so many out there that are just absolutely amazing. And what's that? That saying, life's too short to smoke bad cigars. Mm-hmm. I think that sums it all up. That's I mean, very true. It really does. Don't waste my time. Yeah. Honestly. Even if you're still new to the game and you just rolled your first batch, be passionate about it. Make me feel your passion about how good your cigar is. Can make me a believer. Mm-hmm. Indoctrinate me into why I should be smoking your cigar. Ooh, I used a big word today. <laughs> But it's true. And I, you know, one of the people I can't wait to talk to again uh, is a gentleman named Adrian Acosta of uh, Cigar Culture. He's only put out one blend so far, one Mm -hmm. blend, but his heart and soul went into that one particular blend. And it's amazing. And he just he poured everything into this one blend and that's very true yeah i remember he was sitting with you at sessions for an hour he gave you one of his cigars as i'm sitting there staring at him like 
Where's my cigar? <laughs> so, but any case, we're reaching the hour point on this podcast. I know you guys, thank you guys for staying with this all the way through. Um, there's a lot more podcasts to come. And I'm going to warn you right now. Uh, if you know the diva and if you know me in person, which a lot of you probably that are listening are, we we don't hold punches. I mean, if we're going to say something bad, we go say something bad. But in the same time, I want you guys to listen and think about like, OK, where is the diva and the stick man coming from? Are, are they are they saying something that we've been wanting to say? OK, we're not blue. We're not red. We're not Democrat. We're not Republican. That, that, that you know, they they ain't no room here for that. This is all about cigar talk. We may talk about off topic things, but it's still cigar related. Um, it's all about the leaf. Yeah, it's all about the leaf. You know, if something comes in the way as we talk about the leaf, we'll address it. Most times, you know, we're going to throw nothing but love at the, the world of cigar smoking and our brothers and sisters of the leaf. Yes, but that said, at the same time, there will be no holds barred. And this is probably the most, quote unquote, polite podcast you're going to hear. For now. <laughs> yes, for for now, not you know nothing but transparency. This is uh, it's going to get a little bit intense because we want to delve into uh, not just the world of the cigar diva, but the world of cigars in general, and mm-hmm. you know what's going on. So it's uh, be prepared. It's going to get a little more intense. So diva, tell the world where they could find you on the world wide web. At the Cigar Diva. And that's on Instagram. And Facebook and, and Twitter. Twitter and pretty much you name it. What about uh, uh, that that thing the young kids use that TikTok? Uh, TikTok, yeah. I'm still building up TikTok. And then your site, cigardiva.com. Yeah, yeah. And, and if you're hearing this podcast somewhere, that means that you find the right place to hear it. So unless you're on the site, you're hearing it from the site. But you know. Yeah, but I like to keep it consistent. The Cigar Diva. Uh-huh. It's nice, easy, easy to remember. The exactly. Cigar Diva. So, all right, guys, thank you so much for tuning in. This is Coconut Stick Man and The Cigar Diva. And hope to hear from you next time. Take care, guys.